now, Father, as we have the privilege of opening up your word, we pray that our hearts would be open and prepared as well. Cause us to see wonderful things, things about us, but more importantly, things about Christ, the one who died in our place and is our righteousness. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen, amen. Back in the year 2015, when my daughter Katie was serving as a missionary with OM in Ireland, my wife and I had the chance to visit her in that wonderful place. And uh, I could tell you of many stories and activities that we enjoyed, but one thing that I noticed that I had seen before only in a poster were these wonderful doors of Dublin. Have you seen the poster? Or maybe you've been to Ireland. What they've done is that they've gone through and taken pictures of some beautifully covered doors for just south of the river of Liffey. There is a district where these uh, Georgian doors are painted. The district may be somewhat gloomy, but the doors are bright and beautiful. You know this is Ireland when one of the doors says Guinness. If you don't know that, that's all right. It (laughs) happens to be a drink and I did not partake. But let's go on. The doors of Dublin, they're often in row houses uh, like this, and these beautiful colored doors are inviting. They're intriguing, as all doors are. Doors hold out promise, access into a new world. There might be the warmth from a winter night and the door is inviting you to come in or it may be a door shut in your face that keeps you out, the dreadful door of a jailhouse with its iron bars. But these doors are fascinating. Of course, when you're thinking about doors, you may be thinking of the doors of Venice. This is a rock group that was formed in 1965 with the lead singer Jim Morrison. Controversial doors, by the way, and not doors to follow or to walk through. They hold little promise for us. Known for their vulgar vulgar lyrics and known for their short life. Uh, This was a group that I followed before I came to Christ. So you have the doors of Dublin and you have the doors of Venice and then you have the door of South Church, our own Jessica door, although she spells it wrongly. But uh, (laughs) So when you think of doors, you can think of a lot of different things. But this morning, I don't want to talk about the doors of Dublin or talk about us course a rock group and even though it would be pleasant to talk about our wonderful staff member I want to talk to you about biblical doors to go offline a little bit from our normal procedure of looking at a portion of scripture and just digging out of it all we can uh, this will be a little more of a topical message about biblical doors and here's the first one we'll call it as the bible does the door of faith Probably at the very first missionary conference when the Apostle Paul had come back from sharing the gospel, 
He reported to the churches that sent him out in chapter 13. And we read these words. On arriving together, they gathered as a church, and they reported all that God had done through them. That's what missions is, God working through people. And how that God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. The door of faith. Now understand that the door is opened to the outcasts. Up until this time, the gospel was almost exclusively Jewish. Christ was a Jew. His disciples were Jewish. Eh, There's a Gentile thrown in there. Uh, They also, uh, when they began to spread the gospel, formed churches in Jerusalem that were almost exclusively Jewish. And the thought of going to the Gentiles was, was repulsive to so many. But Paul was an apostle to the outcasts. Aren't you glad? Because most of us in this room fall into that category of Gentile. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And even the Jews are sinners like the Gentiles. For all of us sin and come short of the glory of God. But God has opened the door of faith. So this refers to salvation, forgiveness, deliverance. All that that wonderful term salvation refers to, and it is opened by faith. It's important for us to understand that. Doors are designed to be thoroughfares. They're designed for traffic, for people to go in. And someone has to create the doors, and someone has to control the doors. And here the scripture tells us that God is in control of the doors. An architect will design a house with doors in certain strategic places. Again, allowing people to come in and for protection to keep certain people out. And someone controls those doors. If you own your house, you probably are in control of the doors. I can't go to sleep without checking the doors. To make sure that they're locked. And if I'm in bed and I think, oh, maybe I didn't lock the door. I wonder if Nancy did and, and I'm not sure she did. And I can't go to sleep until I get up and check the door. And then I can't go to sleep for another half hour because I got up to check the door. But in the spiritual realm, please understand this. God is in control of the doors. And he designed a door... And it is open to everyone. And here, now open to the outcasts, to the Gentiles, so that they may walk in, so that they might enjoy faith, so that by putting their trust in Jesus Christ, they will not be outsiders, but insiders. God opens doors. He controls them. He created them. And by the way, he closes doors as well but one of the wonderful truths one of the great truths about doors in scripture is this Jesus is the door I'm referring to John's gospel chapter 10 where Jesus said I'm the good shepherd and in the NIV it uses the term gate but here is the new King James I tell you the truth I am the door 
I'm the door of the sheepfold. I am the door. So Jesus is the way, and he is the truth, and he is the life, and he is the door that one must enter to become a believer. And when you do enter that door, you are saved. The door is narrow. Most outside doors are three-footers, inside doors two sixes, but this door is Jesus. And there's no other way. There's no other door. People have been climbing the walls for centuries to get in, only to find out they're not in. So you come to church and you think, I'm in. I'm among the people of God, and that's great, and we're glad you're here. But you're not in the family of God until by faith you close with Christ. Until by faith you walk through the door. And I've had people attend South Church for years. And then finally the light comes on. I've been playing the game. I've been on the outside looking in. I want to come to faith in Christ. And they believe upon Jesus. They're baptized in the waters of baptism. To the shock of many when they say... I wasn't a believer. And if you're in that condition, let me encourage you to understand that this is the point of entry, Jesus. And there is some sense of urgency because doors have hinges and doors close. Isn't that something? We don't know the timing of it all. You don't know the timing of it all. I did more funerals in 2019 than I have ever done in any other previous year. In fact, I I think I was adding it up. I did more funerals last year than I did in the first 10 years of my ministry. And one thing that it impresses upon my heart and mind is this. Is it it is appointed and a man wants to die. There's nothing more certain than death. There is nothing more uncertain than the time of it. And are you ready? Have you walked through the door? We have the wonderful parable that Jesus told of the ten virgins who were invited to go and, uh, to a, a banquet and some had their lamps and their oils ready but when the invitation came some didn't have them ready and so they had to go and buy the uh, uh, olive oil and while they were out buying it the bridegroom arrived and they went to the wedding banquet, but it was too late, too late because the door was shut. Think of the Old Testament when the flood came. There was one door on the ark, and God shut the door. Genesis 7 and verse 16. And when he did, opportunity is gone. By the way, doors speak of opportunity. That's why it's good to think of biblical doors at the beginning of the year because it's a new year filled with promise and opportunity. But when the door shuts by God, it is shut and no one opens. So don't play fast and loose with the one who made you. If you're not a believer, come. He created the door for you. He opens the door for you The cross is his compelling message to come. I died for you. Enter the door of faith before it is too late. Well, there's another door, and this door is the door of relationship. 
This is probably what many of us think of when we think of a biblical door. You know the verse? Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock, or as it's translated here, here I am. I'm standing, knocking at the door. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and I will eat with him and he with me. I'll dine with him, which is an expression of fellowship. Now, if the first door of faith was open to the outsiders, please understand this. This door of faith is opened to believers. Many, many times people use this verse to encourage the unbeliever uh, to get saved. And, and I'm not saying you can't use it that way. The great John Stott was brought to Christ at a summer camp when someone preached on Revelation 3.20. And John opened the door of his heart to Christ and became a believer. But the context is not unbelievers, it's believers. But go deeper. The context is lukewarm believers. You say, what are you talking about? Well, there are seven letters to churches, seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. And the last one is the church of Laodicea, a town in Asia Minor. And it was to that church in that town that Jesus said, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're what? Lukewarm. Apparently, they had run some aqueducts from different springs, a hot spring and a cold spring, to provide water for the city. And in some place, they were mixed together, and tradition has it that someone took a drink of it and spit it out because it was neither hot nor cold. It was mediocre, lukewarm. And Jesus says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I wish you were hot or cold. In other words, be consistent. I don't know how many people take communion when they don't believe in Christ. That makes no sense. Be consistent. If you're not going to trust Christ, don't take the elements. Be cold. Tell people you're cold. Tell people you don't want God's love or Jesus or you don't even believe in it. Be consistent. But of course, Jesus wants us to be warm hot in intimate friendship and relationship with him. So we have this idea of fellowship. This wonderful, intimate fellowship. Offered to those who aren't taking advantage of this wonderful privilege. Jesus deeply wants to know you. The picture is this. Jesus is on the outside knocking to get in. Now you must open the door. Jesus must knock because he came to seek and to save the lost. You know, there's a famous picture of this verse. Have you ever seen it? Jesus knocking on the door. And what is so unique about the picture is that there is no doorknob. Trying to express the, the purpose, the, the biblical truth that Jesus isn't going to force his way in. Now, there's a little more to it than that theologically. I have some dear friends who say, that's not right. God's in control of the doors, and he's the one who chooses, and he's the one who seeks and saves. And the Bible does talk about that. But don't let your theology be read into the scriptures 
so that you force everything you read into what you think because you may have the wrong perspective. And sometimes God wants us to hold two truths that don't seem to go together like the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. Hold them together. Don't deny either one. So what I'm here to tell you is this. Yes, God is active in seeking and saving the lost. The Bible talks about that. But here's a picture where he says, you open the door. And of course, it's referring to intimate fellowship. So will you open the door? You must hear and you must open. Or he will not enter and you will not know him. Last week, the focus of the message for the start of a new year was this whole idea that we need to press on to know him. Knowing him in salvation is not enough. We want to know him intimately in fellowship in daily life. And so the Bible tells us to enter in. Are you lukewarm as a believer? You say you love Christ, but you don't seem to follow Christ? Please hear Jesus knocking on your heart's door saying, if you open, I'll come in and we'll have a great time. In the first century, to share a meal with someone was to share your life. It implied acceptance. It implied connection, friendship. And Jesus wants all of that with those who call him Savior. By the way, these doors are in progression, at least as I'm presenting them. There's the door of faith, that's salvation, and then there's this wonderful door of relationship, that's fellowship and sanctification. But then there is another door to be found too, and this door is the door of ministry. Now, I could go to several different verses of Scripture, but I've chosen Revelation 3.8. I know your deeds. This is the church of Philadelphia. So we're still in that context of Jesus writing to the seven churches. And the church of Philadelphia is one of the churches that Jesus says nothing negative about. There are only two. And this is one of them, the church of Philadelphia. Now some of us cannot re read that without thinking of Philly on the east coast. And they're anything but the, brother, the city of brotherly love. At least that's their reputation. But Jesus says to this church, I know your deeds, and I know what you're doing, and it's good. And I want you to know I've placed before you an open door, and no one can shut it. If you would read the verse before, it says, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David, and what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. That's Revelation 3.7. So now we're writing to a church that knows Christ, a church that is intimately walking with Christ, and to them there is the door of ministry. This is very Pauline, meaning the Apostle Paul loves to use it in his theology. It was Luke who wrote in Acts about the door of faith. It is the Apostle John who writes in Revelation about the door of relationship. But it's the Apostle Paul who often uses this idea of ministry 
and opportunity for fruitfulness and serving. And so the Bible tells us, for instance, in Paul's letter when he was in prison to the church in Colossae, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we might proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Now that tells us a lot. It tells us and reminds us again that God opens and closes doors. But how do we open a door? Is a closed door really closed? Is it locked? You say, well, I don't know. How do you find out? You knock. You turn the handle. And one of the ways to open doors is through prayer. Dependence upon God. Now, for a long time, we talk in, in missionary uh, circles, they talk about closed doors. China was a closed door, meaning it was, there wasn't open access for miss, missionaries going in. And then the door was opened by God. And I went there a few years ago. I preached in one of the largest cities in Beijing. There were communist leaders in the congregation, and I preached with great freedom about salvation in Jesus Christ. Today, I can't go back to that same church and preach the same message because even the pastor himself is being throttled. Maybe I've said too much. Maybe we should take that out. That shouldn't have gone public. But the point is this. God opens doors and he closes doors. And the door to China is closing. If it's not closed, it's almost shut. But the door to Miramar is open. Wide open, whereas before it was closed. You see, God's in control. And as people pray, and as they knock, and as they try to go forward, they find out if the door is closed. If it's truly closed by God, then this is the way God leads and directs us. Open and closed doors. But don't assume that the door is closed. Because God delights in opening them. I love this verse, again from the Apostle Paul. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9. He said, there is a great and effective door open for ministry and service. A door has been opened to me, and yet there are many who oppose. So the Apostle Paul went to Corinth, one of the most wicked cities of his day. By the way, in Greece. And there in Corinth, he preached the gospel. And there was persecution, but there was a great, effective, open door. God has given an open door to our team to go to the island of Greece. And we need to pray that that door will remain open. It was Paul who said, the Lord led me to Troas to preach the gospel. And I found that he had opened the door when I got there. By the way, we talk about doors closing James chapter 5 says, don't grumble and fight with each other because you will be judged. And understand this, the judge is standing at the door. Same thing was said by Matthew. Even so, when you see all of these things happen eschatologically in the last days, you will know that it is near the coming of Christ, even right at the door. There's another door that's going to be opened. It's the door of heaven, and Jesus will descend. He's right at the door before he comes to judge the world. 
So you and I need to understand that we have set before us an open door. It could close. Opportunities for ministry will not be there forever. There is no sense that God has promised that today's open door will be tomorrow's opportunity. Doors rarely, perpetually stay open. But you and I have some opportunities now to build a relationship that's been broken, to confess a sin to a friend that we've offended, to confess and turn from our sins by confessing to God. We have the opportunity to enter the door of faith and then enter the door of relationship and then walk through the door of ministry opportunity that we're going to have in the year 2020. So Luke 13 says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because I tell you, many will not make it. And Jesus holds the keys. Remember that song, he holds the keys? He holds the keys. He's in charge. And opportunities can easily be lost. I was going to show you a picture of this when I went to visit my mom. Before she passed away, she was in her last days, and one of those long days of waiting, I decided to walk with my brother around the neighborhood we grew up in and walked into the old elementary school that we went to that is now a, a senior's uh, uh, place. And uh, you could walk through the hallways and still see the outline of some of the classes and, and all of that. And, and at the very beginning, they, they had a plaque that was, that was there not too long after uh, I came. Actually, it, it came a little after I graduated from elementary school. But it had the list of the people who were in charge of education in Waterford Township. And the superintendent that year was Donald O. Tatro. Well, I knew Donald O. Tatro because when I was a lover of the Doors, the rock group, I was in one. And Kevin Tatro was our drummer. And I met his dad, and I met his mom, and I met his sister, who was a few years older, and a brother a few years younger, when we would practice at their house. And I came to faith in Christ when I was in this group. And I remember sheepishly telling the others in the band that I was now a believer in Christ, and I had this faith, and I didn't even know how to explain it, and didn't know what to say. And Kevin looked at me and said, I wish I could believe like that. And you know what I said to him? Nothing. Partly because I didn't know what to say. Partly, probably because I was afraid. Kevin's family moved back to their home in Lansing. I didn't find out about this till a couple years ago, and they lived in Okemos. Dr. Tatro worked in the Holt system for a while and was also connected to Michigan State. One night in their Okemos home, while they were sleeping, the heater of the pool got clogged up and carbon dioxide backed up into the house and filled the house with poison and everyone died. Dr. Tatro and his wife, my friend Kevin, and the younger brother. Debbie didn't die because she was out of town, I think even out of country. 
And she's the only one that survived. And when I think of open doors that close, I think of that missed opportunity to simply say to Kevin, Jesus is the way. I don't ever want to miss an opportunity like that again. Let's pray. Lord, you have beset before us all open doors, the door of faith, and some need to walk through that today, and I pray that they will. The door of intimate fellowship with you, oh, how often we hear you knocking and ignore you like a bad email. Lord, may we open the door and pursue you. And then, Father, the door of ministry opportunity. You've called each one of us to serve. And it's a shame that the church should have to plead for people to step in and help when you've gifted people to do the job. Lord, overcome our reluctance and our fear, our selfishness, whatever it may be, and let us find out that there is wonderful joy in serving Jesus because we've been designed to do that, and walking through that door is thrilling and exciting. Give us faith. Encourage our hearts. Bless us richly this year in Jesus' name. Amen.